Welcome to the Every Believer Witness Podcast. This is Evan Finch, and I'm glad you have joined us today. I believe you'll be blessed as Dennis shares, I'm saved and I don't have a big sin problem. I'm not perfect, but I'm better than most people I know. Hey, thank you for joining us again as we continue our study of how to actually enjoy being a Christian. For the last few weeks, we've been talking about the importance of dealing with sin in our life immediately. In other words, as a child of God, belonging to Him, having been born again, having been converted, having been saved, the importance of dealing with sin in our lives immediately. And we saw two weeks ago that we need to deal with sin in our life immediately because sin disrupts our fellowship. And then last week, we looked at the fact that not only does sin disrupts our fellowship, but sin destroys our joy. It's a joy killer. Today, we come to the third reason here in 1 John chapter 1 that we need to deal with sin in our lives immediately because sin deceives us. Before we come to faith in Christ, sin and the devil deceive us this way. For a lot of people, they think, I am so bad. I am too bad to, to ever be forgiven, to ever become a child of God. Uh, one of my most dramatic and memorable times of seeing that happen was I was preaching revival at Pumpkin Vine Baptist Church in Dallas, Georgia. And, and maybe Monday night or Tuesday night, I noticed this young woman had come in, maybe early 20s, and she was standing over to one side of the worship center before the service, and she was covered with tattoos. She obviously had lived a rough life. I mean, she just looked like, like it had been a hard life, even though she was a young person. And, um, and she looked very not happy. And so I always try to meet people before the service, and I went over to her, and I just said, hey, I'm Dennis Nunn. I'm going to be preaching tonight. And I got her name. And as we talked a little bit, I'm not usually this direct when I first meet someone, but I, I just asked her, I said, uh, are you a Christian? Are you a follower of Jesus? She said, oh, no, 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 I'm, I've done too many bad things. I could never be forgiven. See, that's one way the Bible says the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so they can't see the light of the gospel. She thought she was so bad. And reality is, it doesn't make any difference what a person has done. Jesus took the penalty for that on the cross. But here's another way sin deceives us before salvation, and I think it's probably a bigger deception in our society today, and that is people think, I'm a good person. I don't need to have some other experience. You may call it saved or born again or whatever. I don't need that. I'm a good person. Uh, but the Bible makes it abundantly clear you can't be good enough to have your sins forgiven. In John 3, Jesus had an encounter with Nicodemus. You remember Nicodemus, a guy that prayed many times a day, memorized scripture like crazy, taught the Bible, uh, tithed. And to this man who did all these good things, and, and he really tried to avoid sin as he knew it, Jesus said, you have to be born again. You have to be born again. So before salvation, sin deceives us and to thinking we're so bad we can't be saved, or we're so good, I'm a good person, I don't need to be saved. But once we become a follower of Jesus, sin still is a deceiver. Notice what verse 8 says. 
if we claim to be without sin, we, what? Deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Several years ago on a Sunday night, I was watching television and uh, I was watching a particular TV evangelist and I would, I would normally just kind of check different ones out. But this night, this evangelist was talking and I caught him at a point when he's talking about sin. And he said, and since I trusted Jesus, I have never, ever sinned against. That's what Ernest Angley said right there on the television. Now, Ernest says that, but notice what God's word says. If we, not lost people, we believers, claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Now, you may not claim to be without sin. You say, oh, I would never do that, Dennis. But here's the tendency we have. We tend to think, hey, I'm saved. I'm a child of God. It's not such a big deal if, uh, if I sin. We think we can go on with life as usual. Nothing's going to happen. You remember the story of Samson in the Old Testament? Samson was, in, was, was endued by God, given by God, supernatural power. I used to think Samson must be like an Arnold Schwarzenegger kind of guy, you know. Uh, but he must have been just an average-sized guy because folks couldn't figure out why he's strong. I mean, if he had 20-inch biceps, you'd think, wow. But he's just an average-looking guy, but God's given him supernatural strength. And so he, he has the Spirit of God in him. He's been given supernatural strength, and yet he fell into a pattern of sexual sin habitually. One of the times was with a woman by the name of Delilah. And the arch enemy of the Israelites, the Philistines, were always trying to get Samson because he had killed many of them. And they came to Delilah and said, we're going to give you money if you'll find out the secret of his strength. And so she would begin to talk to him and say, Samson, what is it that makes you so strong? And finally, she asked him, he said, well, if you tie seven new bowstrings in my hair, strings that never been used, I would just become weak as everybody else. So she did that. And then she'd awaken him and say, Samson, Samson, the Philistines are coming. And he would just jump up as usual and go out and kill a bunch of them. She nagged him some more. He said, well, the fact is, if you use new ropes that never have been used and you, you bound me with them, uh, then I, I wouldn't have my strength. So they did that. She did that. Hollers, the Philistines are coming. He breaks the ropes, runs out and kills a bunch of them. She nags him some more. He says, well, if you, if you weave my hair into a loom, you know, then I, I wouldn't have strength. And she does it, same story, runs out, kills a bunch of Philistines. Finally, the Philistines said, Delilah, if you don't find out what's going on, we're going to kill you and your family. And so she's begging and pleading with Samson. And he finally told her that the truth about the secret of strength, that if his hair was cut off, he would lose his strength. And so when he fell asleep, she cut his hair off. And then she hollered, Samson, the Philistines are coming. And then one of the saddest verses in all the Bible in Judges 16.20 says this. He awoke from his sleep and thought, I'll go out as before and shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had left him. You see, in the Old Testament, the Spirit of God didn't indwell people permanently. He came upon them or he would leave them. And Samson thought everything's normal. He goes running out and they capture him and they gouge his eyes out and they take him prisoner. He did not know 
that the Lord had left him. Now you see, when you sin, when I sin as a child of God, God doesn't leave us. But his Holy Spirit does have to change from a ministry of empowering us and guiding us and strengthening us to a ministry of convicting us and perhaps even discipline us. So we need to deal with sin immediately because sin deceives us and it deceives us that way. But notice verse 10, there's also, it deceives us because each of us has an area of strength and an area of weakness. Read verse 10, I'll come back to this. If we claim we've not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word has no place in our lives. In other words, our tendency is we look at people and we see them commit a sin and we think, I would never do that. And I wouldn't do that. But I'd commit a sin over here that somebody else might not have any issue with. See, the fact is in my life and your life, there are areas that really are not a temptation for me. There are areas that are not a temptation for you, but each of us is different. And sin will deceive us into looking at other people's sins. Kind of like when Jesus said, uh, don't worry about getting the splinter of that, out of that guy's eye. Get the log out of your own eye. And we tend to focus on splinters in an area that we're not, we don't struggle with, but we ignore the log in the area that we do struggle with. Uh, and by the way, we tend to rank our sins. We really do. Um, in Romans 1, 29 and 30, notice what it says. It says, they, mankind, have become filled with every kind of wickedness. They're full of envy, murder, wow, strife, deceit, and malice. God haters, wow, insolent, arrogant, boastful, wow. They disobey their parents. Notice that he gives all these sins. And we think, oh, horrible, murder, God-haters. And he lumps right in with it, disobeying your parents. You see, the fact is, God is light, and him is no darkness at all. And any sin disrupts our fellowship, destroys our joy, and will deceive us so that we think we can just go on with life as usual. What about you? Will you look at your life today? As I mentioned, when I teach it, I, I do practice by the, by the grace of God. I practice what I preach and teach, and it causes me to look at my life. And I assure you, I have to deal with sin in my life a lot because I want to walk in the joy of the Lord and the power of God. I hope you do. And I pray this week, every time a sin comes into your life, you won't think, boy, I can just go on as usual. This is no big deal, but you'll deal with it immediately rather than let sin deceive you. God bless you. Can't wait till next week. It's the best part of the whole study. Thank you. If these podcasts are a blessing and encouragement to you, would you pray about becoming a monthly partner with Every Believer a Witness? We want to increase the number of podcasts we do, as well as reach more and more believers. You can make your tax-deductible gift on our website. Thank you.